Amen. Thank you, Brother Phil. Thank you, guys. You did a great job. Great job. Go ahead and get in your Bible to Proverbs chapter 27. Proverbs 27. By the way, if you're trusting any sort of your own works for salvation, your salvation cannot be complete. Uh, either Jesus paid it all or he didn't. And he did pay it all. He shed his blood. He died on the cross. He rose again from the dead. Salvation is God's free gift through Jesus Christ. It is complete. What a great truth. Uh, this is our ninth message in our Sunday evening series on being wise in a foolish world. It's a series focused in the book of Proverbs. My desire, as I have stated every time before uh, I've begun to speak on Sunday nights, is simply this, that we would all be wise beyond our years. If you're a child here tonight, that if you at 7 or 8 or 10 would be wise for a child. If you're here and you're 14 or 15 or 25 or 85, that would be wise beyond our years. Growing older is inevitable. Becoming wiser is a choice. Some people do not become wiser in life or in the Lord as they season in life. My heart's desire, and I believe yours is too, and that's why you're here, is to grow wiser as we grow older. Last week we talked about, uh, began our fourth of the twelve blocks into which I broke the book of Proverbs up, uh, wisdom with our money. We talked about the importance of seeking God and wisdom instead of seeking riches. If we seek riches, we may get them with a lot of sorrow. But if we seek God and seek wisdom, then any riches we end up having will be a blessing to us and to those around us because riches and honor are in the left hand of the wisdom of God. We spent then time talking about the priority we should place on wealth if we would be wise that life, uh, which also boils down to time, is more important than wealth. Our name and being loved is more important than wealth. Having integrity and being upright is more important than wealth. And we were all challenged to wisely prioritize wealth if we would live our life wisely. Not giving lip service to those priorities, but actually prioritizing wealth in that manner. Now, with money being such an important subject to our own hearts and in this world, it's no surprise Proverbs has a lot to say about it. Tonight, I'd like to spend some time talking about warnings associated with wealth in the book of Proverbs. Now, we're warned about a lot of things in our culture because everyone is afraid of being sued. In fact, we sort of live on warning overload. Uh, You cannot watch a commercial about some medical breakthrough, but what the first half is what it'll do for you, and the last half is how you might die if you take it. We're constantly warned. And so because we're warned so often and about so many things, we sort of live our life on warning overload and we sort of then pick which warnings we ignore and which ones we heed. Uh, If you've ever driven east when you drive into Pennsylvania, the first thing you see is a huge sign that lists all the speeding fines in Pennsylvania. And I don't know, but when you see that sign, the first thing that goes through my mind is, I better watch myself because I don't want a speeding ticket. Uh, there are warning labels on everything we buy. Uh, don't use your lawnmower to trim your bushes. Don't take this tag off your mattress. You might be jailed. No, I don't pay a lot of attention to those, but to be honest with you, I never use our lawnmower on the bushes. 
It may even shock some people. On the Q-tip box, it says, don't put these in your ear. But yet I put one in my ear almost every morning of my life. Surprising, isn't it? On the other hand, if God warns us about something, we would be really wise to pay attention. What kind of things... With regard to our wealth, did God warn us about? Go ahead and stand, please, in honor of God's word. This is just simply the second part of our wisdom with our money. Proverbs chapter 27, verse 23. Proverbs 27. I hear a lot of pages. What did I say? I said 27? Okay. Proverbs 27, verse 23 says, Be thou diligent to know the state of thy flocks, and look well to thy herds, for riches are not forever. And doth the crown endure to every generation? The hay appeareth, and the tender grass sheweth itself, and the herbs of the mountains are gathered. The lambs are for thy clothing, and the goats are the price of the field. And thou shalt have goats milk enough for thy food, for the food of thy household, and for the maintenance of thy maidens. Thank you. Might be seated. Now, in the book of Proverbs, there are two things that God says are forever, and one thing that God says is not forever. In Proverbs 12, 19, he says, The lip of truth shall be established forever. In Proverbs 29, 14, he said, The throne of the king who faithfully judges the poor shall be established forever. But notice that God makes a point in verse 24 in the first part of that. says, for riches are not forever. God makes a point to tell us that if we would wisely consider our wealth, we need to understand that wealth is not eternal. Now, he does take time to point out that we are supposed to diligently watch what is going on with our wealth and care for it. He does that in, verses, in verse 23. Be thou diligent to know the state of thy flocks and look well to thy herds. And of course in that era, you know, no one had 401ks and there was no stock market. And a person's wealth was wrapped up in their land. It was wrapped up in any silver or gold they might have. It was wrapped up in the livestock, their own. And he says here, listen, he says, be diligent to know what's going on with that stuff. You say, why? Well, verses 26 and 27, because God provides for us through them. The lambs are for thy clothing, and the goats are the price of the field. And thou shalt have goats milk enough for thy food, and for the food of thy household, and for the maintenance of thy maidens. It's not our subject tonight, but every time I read that, it always goes through my head, how much does maiden maintenance cost? A lot. But that's not the point of our lesson. The point of the lesson is that God says, be diligent to watch this stuff, care for it. This is how I provide for you. But don't forget that riches are not forever. Wealth is not eternal. And for those of us who are the kind of people who try to be a little more careful with our wealth and manage what we have been given well, it is very easy to lose sight of the fact that our wealth, our, uh, the things we possess, they are not eternal. You see, we came into this world empty-handed, and it is certain that we will also leave with nothing in our hands. 
When it comes to our wealth, we will all leave it all behind. But that's not the way we often think about our wealth. Because it is very easy to act like we could take it with us. When in reality, the only wealth we ever take with us is the wealth that we chose to give to the Lord in His work for His namesake while we were alive. It is that treasure that we lay up in heaven rather than the treasure we accumulate on earth that matters most. But because wealth is eternal... And it is our natural, um, wealth is not eternal, and it is not our natural inclination uh, to not treat it that way. It's so easy to make it a focus of our life. God warns those who would be wise about some things regarding our wealth. What is it that God warns me about if I would be wise when I consider my wealth? Please first turn back in your Bible to Proverbs chapter 11. He said, well, these are all obvious. Well, they were important enough for God to put them down. Which means that probably at times we all struggle to keep our eyes on these things. Number one, we are warned to be careful trusting wealth instead of God. We are warned to be careful trusting wealth instead of God. Proverbs chapter 11 in verse 28, Proverbs eleven twenty-eight says, He that trusteth in his riches shall fall, but the righteous shall flourish as a branch. If you trust in your riches, you trust in your wealth, you're going to fall. You're going to fall in life, you're going to fall in eternity, because you should have trusted God instead of riches. Remember, we learned that riches have wings. That means they can never be caught. By the way, in contrast to riches that can never be caught because they have wings, God says, ye shall seek me and ye shall find me when ye shall search for me with all of your heart. Listen, if you want to know God in truth, God will make sure that you get to know Him and know the truth. Riches, on the other hand, you can seek those with all your heart, and just as soon as you think you've got to where riches are, you will find that it had flown away. The Old Testament synonym for faith is trust. Trust the Lord with all thine heart. Don't trust your wealth. As Christian people living in the days following the completion of the New Testament and the life and ministry of Jesus of Nazareth, we don't trust silver or gold for eternal life. You can't burn enough candles to get somebody out of hell. Uh, We trust the shed blood and the finished work of Jesus Christ because that is the only way to have eternal life and have our sins washed away. Now, those who are rich are warned because it is easy when you have riches to fall into the trap of trusting them. Notice in chapter 10 and verse 15, it says the rich man's wealth is his strong city. In other words, that's what he trusts from the enemy. It says the destruction of the poor is their poverty. Now sometimes we err and we think that it's only those who are rich who have issues with money. But the fact of the matter is, is that very often those who are poor are dominated by their poverty. And their whole life is wrapped up in wishing they had this or wishing they had that, that someone else has had, and that will destroy the poor. Instead of just deciding to be content with whatever it is you have, to be diligent, to handle what you have been given wisely, and trust the Lord 
God again warns of the same kind of thing in chapter 18 and verse 11. We're studying the book of Proverbs, amen? Chapter 18 and verse 11 says, The rich man's wealth is his strong city and has a high wall in his own conceit. Listen, it's easy to trust the money and insurance that you have for medical things instead of trusting God. It's easy to trust that you have a lawyer and a system of courts to protect you in conflict instead of trusting God. It's easy to trust your concealed carry, the security team, or the police instead of trusting God. By the way, Proverbs says in 2131, the horse is prepared against the day of battle, but safety is of the Lord. In other words, we prepare rightly, but in the end, God is the one who gives us safety. It's easy to trust your 401k, the social security system, or your pension instead of trusting God. Now, I'm not implying we shouldn't prepare or that we shouldn't do these things. I'm just saying, listen, we need to trust God, not riches. Say, why? We'll turn up to chapter 22. Aside from the fact that riches are not eternal, notice what it says in Proverbs 22, verse 2. The rich and poor meet together. The Lord is the maker of them all. Say, where do the rich and poor meet together? They both end up in the same box. And they all face God. And so God warns us. Because riches are not eternal and because everyone ends up in the same box, in the same ground, and at the same judgment, trust God, not riches. But that's not the only thing he warned us. Please go back just a page or so to chapter 18. There's a second thing about which he warned us. Number two, we're warned to be careful trying to accumulate money too quickly. We're warned to be careful trying to accumulate money too quickly. Notice in Proverbs 28, verse 20. Proverbs 28, 20, and I've got to get there myself. Proverbs 28, 20 says these words, A faithful man shall abound with blessings, but he that maketh haste to be rich shall not be innocent. Now, he warns us here to be faithful instead of hasty when it comes to our money. Now, we'll talk a little bit more about haste in this series when we arrive at the block of wisdom for leadership. But here, we're specifically warned that if we're in a hurry to become wealthy, we will not remain innocent. Um, you say, why? Well, he gives us one of the reasons in verse 22 there of chapter 28. He that hasteth to be rich hath an evil eye, and considereth not that poverty should come upon him. See, what does that mean? It means that if you're in a hurry to be rich, you'll stop looking at things rightly. You'll begin to look at people as, well, this is somebody I can get something from. Instead of this is somebody I might be able to give something to. People will become resources. They will become pawns. They will become something that you use to get where you want to go. You'll get an evil eye if you are in a hurry to be rich. And you'll stop looking at people as what can I do? How how can I help them? How, How can I influence them for good? And not only that, every situation will become about money and profit. Instead of some situations being about money. And others not. By the way, don't, don't act so pious. Some situations are about money. Uh, that's why we work. 
Uh, there's nothing wrong with money itself. It is a priority on wealth that becomes a problem. And when you are in a hurry to be rich, you'll begin to look at every situation only through the eyes of what it costs me or how much I can profit. And you'll begin to look at people in a wrong manner. Now, some people are not in a hurry about anything. They're just basically lazy, slow movers with little or no concern about the future. And others are in such a hurry to become rich that they do a lot of sinful and unwise things to get there. Listen, if you're in a hurry to be rich, you're not going to enjoy the journey about, uh, of, of being young. Listen, if you're here in a child, enjoy it. If you're here in a teenager, enjoy it. If you're here and you're a young adult, uh, enjoy it. Don't always be in such a hurry to be to be out there making your money. Just enjoy where you are. And if you're in a hurry to be rich, you're not going to enjoy where you are. If you're in a hurry to be rich, you'll put serving Jesus on the back burner instead of something you are supposed to do now. I know of all kinds of people. They're so busy building their career and their resume, they don't have any time for Jesus now. And by the way, what will happen if the Lord tarries when they retire, they won't have any time for Him then either. Well, this is my time to travel. If you're in a hurry to be rich, you'll not prioritize the key relationships in your life and invest in them. You'll be investing in your 401k, but not your marriage. You'll be investing in the stock market, but not your children. If you're in a hurry to be rich... You will not be as charitable and as giving as you should be along the way. And giving will always be something for tomorrow. If you're in a hurry to be rich, you'll take too many risks. You'll be right for all these get-rich-quick schemes of all sorts. Listen to me. I'm going to give you some of the best financial advice you've ever had in your life. You ready? If it is too good to be true, it's probably not true. If it brings that much profit, that quickly, with that small a risk, somebody's lying to you. Are you in a hurry to be rich? In a hurry to retire? In a hurry to be promoted? In a hurry to have a big house? Listen, God has warned you and I, if you and I would be wise in life, we need to take time to accumulate wealth, or you and I will not remain innocent. Amen? But there's a third thing he warned us about. Not only did he warn us about being in a hurry to be rich, not only did he warn us about trusting God instead of riches. Number three, go back to chapter 22. Number three, he warned us to be careful what we borrow and from whom we borrow. He warned us to be careful what we borrow and from whom we borrow. Proverbs chapter 22 and verse 7. The rich ruleth over the poor, and the borrower is servant to the lender. You see, when we choose to borrow money, we are choosing who will rule over us and to whom we will be subservient. A lot of American people are servants to credit card companies. And to awful interest rates of 15 to 22%. Can I just say, that is a terrible master. A lot of American people are ruled by banks because they bought more house than they could afford. A lot of American people are ruled by their debts for their toys, their tools, their decorations, and their hobbies. 
I realize that there are those who teach that all debt is bad. I wouldn't personally go that far, but I will say this. The farther we stay from the monster of debt, the better off we are. And a lot of Christian people have way too much debt. And God has warned us about that. By the way, if you're trying to learn about how to budget your money and minimize your debt, I'll read books by Dave Ramsey. So he's not a King James guy. Listen, if I knew a King James guy that was good on that subject, I'd recommend them. Don't get your Bible from them. Get some good financial advice. I just want to say every borrower is ruled by and is subservient to anyone or any organization from whom we borrow money. Are you careless or careful with your credit cards? Are you thoughtful or impulsive when you buy a car? Is the debt you have to house you and your family reasonable or excessive because of your covetousness? Are you trying to maintain a lifestyle that fits a wise follower of Jesus or someone who's living for this life? Are your debts always a hindrance from you giving like God has taught us to give. God has warned us. If you and I would be wise, we need to minimize the amount of debt we have in life. Amen? I said because wealth is not eternal and because we all end up in the same box and at the same judgment, God warned us to trust Him, not riches. God warned us not to be hasty, hasty to be wealthy. God warned us to be careful how much we borrow and from whom we borrow. And number three, go back in your Bible to Proverbs 6. And I'll say lastly, because I know you have dessert on your mind. By the way, I don't know that there's such a thing as a bad dessert. I mean, some's better than others. But I don't know there's anything bad that's a dessert. It's like there's no bad donuts, amen? I don't preach the Bible whether you like it or not. And lastly, tonight, God has warned us to be careful whose debts we back. He has warned us to be careful whose debts we back. Proverbs chapter 6, verse 1. My son, if thou be surety for thy friend... If thou hast stricken thy hand with a stranger, thou hast snared with the words of thy mouth, thou art taken with the words of thy mouth, do this now, my son, and deliver thyself when thou art come into the hand of thy friend. Go, humble thyself, make sure thy friend. Give not sleep to thine eyes, nor slumber to thine eyelids. Deliver thyself as a roe from the hand of the hunter, and as a bird from the hand of the fowler. Now, That word there in verse 1, surety, is not a word that we're really all that familiar with. This is the first mention of the word surety in Proverbs, and it begins with a warning. Uh, The comparable word to surety in our uh, culture would be cosine. And he says, if you do that, you're in a snare. 
So he said, be, uh, if you're a surety for thy friend, if thou stricken the hand with a stranger. In other words, your friend wanted to borrow money. He borrowed it from a stranger. And you shook the hand of the stranger and says, yeah, you know, if he doesn't pay that thousand bucks, I got his back. God says here, if we're going to be wise, understand that that is a snare. And he says, right now, you better go and make sure your relationship with your friend. Just like a, a deer uh, is wise to avoid a hunter and a bird is wise to avoid a fowler, you better make sure your relationship with your friend is good because if your friend's relationship and you gets bad, they're just going to say, I'm not going to pay. He'll pay. And God warns us about that. You say, why? Because mark it down. A lot of good relationships have been ruined by it. Now, the word surety uh, in this kind of a context occurs 11 times in the Old Testament, and seven of them are in the book of Proverbs. If you're here and you're a student of the Scripture, you may remember that Judah choose, chose to be surety for his brother Benjamin uh, when their father Jacob didn't want to risk letting Benjamin to go uh, to Egypt. And you may remember when Benjamin was supposed to go to jail... Uh, Judah stepped up and said, hey, don't put him in jail. Put me in jail. He stood as surety for his brother. So if it occurs seven times in the book of Proverbs, it must have been pretty common. Surety ship must have been pretty common practice in Solomon's day. And by the way, it's a pretty common practice in our culture as well to co-sign on a loan. And most banks do require a cosigner when someone is either too young to have good credit or when someone is older and they've earned their bad credit. Surety is kind of a twin sister to lending money. You see, when you're surety for someone, you're lending your name and your reputation and your resources to back them up if they fall. And so all these warnings about surety would certainly apply to not just who we might co-sign for, but to anyone also that we might lend money. And Proverbs chapter 6, verses 1 to 5 is not the only warning about surety in Proverbs. It's just the first of several. It's kind of interesting, actually, that Proverbs is silent about being surety for someone in our family. It only deals with being surety for friends and strangers. Notice what it says in chapter 11. By the way, I just believe God knows more about life than I do. And I don't want to be too soon old and too late smart. And so I think the younger in life that we embrace these things that God has taught us about life, the better our life will be. Amen? Notice what he says in Proverbs chapter 11 and verse 15. He that is surety for a stranger shall smart for it. And he that hateth suretyship is sure. Notice that's a stronger uh Word than uh, being surety for your friend, which is a snare. If you're going to be surety for a stranger, that's more like a business deal. Uh, you're going to smart for it. You're going to feel pain uh, because of it. In fact, turn up a few pages to chapter 17. He just flat out tells us that if, if we do this, it's a reflection of a lack of understanding. In Proverbs 17, verse 18, he says, A man void of understanding striketh hands. 
and become a surety in the presence of his friend. Um, God has warned us clearly about this. It is a general principle for wise living. Look at chapter 22, verses 26. Be not thou one of them that strike hands, or of them that are sureties for debts. Now, we may not like God's wisdom when it comes to lending money and backing the debts of others. But I want to just remind everybody here that our loving Father is trying to keep as many of our relationships here healthy as possible. Most of us know someone who is bitter and angry today. Because they trusted someone and they lent them money or they co-signed for them. And then that person defaulted and left them responsible. Most of us know families that have been divided and friendships that have been ruined over co-signing for a loan or lending money that was not paid back or not paid back in the manner that person thought it was supposed to be paid back. Now, I'm not going to stand here and say that suretyship is strictly forbidden and that is uh, always sinful. But listen, God has clearly warned us about it. So, how would you summarize, Brother Wally, what you just said? Here's how I'd summarize it. Don't lend money or co-sign for a loan you're not willing to lose or can't afford to lose. Especially to someone not close to you personally. And the more distant they are from you, the more you and I are cautioned against doing it. Are you careful to whom you lend money? By the way, I would just suggest this. If you ever feel like I should lend money to someone, I'm not implying you shouldn't hope to get it back, but I'm saying this. You need to be prepared to not get it back. I'm serious about that. And if you don't look at it like that, here's what's going to happen. For 50 bucks or 100 bucks or 200 bucks or 500 bucks or 1,000 bucks, you are going to be estranged from someone to whom you should be still close. What a tragedy. Maybe God is teaching us that most of the time we are just better to let people wait until their own credit is good enough and they have their enough of their own money for this purchase before you get on the line for their purchase. Will you heed God's warnings about wealth and be wise in God's sight when it comes to your money? It's not eternal. We need to trust God, not wealth. We need to be careful uh, instead of hasty to profit or gain wealth. We need to be careful from whom and how much we borrow. We need to be careful whose debts we back or to whom we lend money. But listen to me, no matter how careful you are with your money, only Jesus can save your soul. If you are not born again, according to Jesus, he said, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except the man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. You will not see God's kingdom unless you're born again. And you cannot buy a new birth. That is God's gift to you through faith in Jesus Christ and repentance. Amen? If tonight you've not done that,
Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. Go ahead and stand.